Section 40 of Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Clevenger. Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant by Ulysses S. Grant. Volume 2. Chapter 40. First meeting with Secretary Stanton, General Rosecrans, Commanding Military Division of Mississippi, Andrew Johnson's Address, Arrival at Chattanooga. The reply to my telegram of October 16, 1863, from Cairo, announcing my arrival at that point, came on the morning of the 17th directing me to proceed immediately to the Galt House, Louisville, where I would meet an officer of the War Department with my instructions. I left Cairo within an hour or two after the receipt of this dispatch, going by rail via Indianapolis, just as the train I was on was starting out of the depot at Indianapolis, a messenger came running up to stop it, saying, the Secretary of War was coming into the station and wanted to see me. I had never met Mr. Stanton up to that time, although we had held frequent conversations over the wires the year before when I was in Tennessee. Occasionally at night he would order the wires between the War Department and my headquarters to be connected, and we would hold a conversation for an hour or two. On this occasion, the secretary was accompanied by Governor Brow of Ohio, whom I had never met, though he and my father had been old acquaintances. Mr. Stanton dismissed the special train that had brought him to Indianapolis and accompanied me to Louisville. Up to this time, no hint had been given me of what was wanted after I left Vicksburg, except the suggestion in one of Halleck's dispatches that I had better go to Nashville and superintend the operation of troops sent to relieve Rosecrans. Soon after we started, the secretary handed me two orders, saying that I might take my choice of them. The two were identical in all but one particular. Both created the Military Division of Mississippi, giving me the command, composed of the departments of the Ohio, the Cumberland, and the Tennessee, and all the territory from the Alleghenies to the Mississippi River, north of Banks's command in the southwest. One order left the department commanders as they were, while the other relieved Rosecrans and assigned Thomas to his place. I accepted the latter. We reached Louisville after night, and, if I remember rightly, in a cold, drizzling rain. The Secretary of War told me afterwards that he caught a cold on that occasion from which he never expected to recover. He never did. A day was spent in Louisville, the Secretary giving me the military news at the Capitol and talking about the disappointment at the results of some of the campaigns. By the evening of the day after our arrival, 
all matters of discussion seemed exhausted and i left the hotel to spend the evening away both mrs grant who was with me and myself having relatives living in louisville in the course of the evening mr stanton received a dispatch from mr c a dana then in chattanooga informing him that unless prevented rosecrans would retreat and advising peremptory orders against his doing so as stated before after the fall of vicksburg i urged strongly upon the government the propriety of a movement against mobile general rosecrans had been at murfreesboro tennessee with a large and well-equipped army from early in the year eighteen sixty three with bragg confronting him with a force quite equal to his own at first considering it was on the defensive but after the investment of vicksburg bragg's army was largely depleted to strengthen johnston in mississippi who was being reinforced to raise the siege i frequently wrote general halleck suggesting that rosecrans should move against bragg by so doing he would either detain the latter's troops where they were or lay chattanooga open to capture general halleck strongly approved the suggestion and finally wrote me that he had repeatedly ordered rosecrans to advance but that the latter had constantly failed to comply with the order and at last after having held a council of war had replied in effect that it was a military maxim not to fight two decisive battles at the same time if true the maxim was not applicable in this case it would be bad to be defeated in two decisive battles fought the same day but it would not be bad to win them i however was fighting no battle and the siege of vicksburg had drawn from rosecrans's front so many of the enemy that his chances of victory were much greater than they would be if he waited until the siege was over when these troops could be returned rosecrans was ordered to move against the army that was detaching troops to raise the siege finally he did move on the twenty fourth of june but ten days afterwards vicksburg surrendered and the troops sent from bragg were free to return it was at this time that i recommended to the general-in-chief the movement against mobile i knew the peril the army of the cumberland was in being depleted continually not only by ordinary casualties but also by having to detach troops to hold its constantly extending line over which to draw supplies while the enemy in front was as constantly being strengthened mobile was important to the enemy and in the absence of a threatening force was guarded by little else than artillery if threatened by land and from the water at the same time the prize would fall easily or troops would have to be sent to its defense those troops would necessarily come from bragg my judgment was overruled and the troops under my command were dissipated over other parts of the country where it was thought they could render the most service 
Soon it was discovered in Washington that Rosecrans was in trouble and required assistance. The emergency was now too immediate to allow us to give this assistance by making an attack in rear of Bragg upon Mobile. It was therefore necessary to reinforce directly, and troops were sent from every available point. Rosecrans had very skillfully maneuvered Bragg south of the Tennessee River and through and beyond Chattanooga. If he had stopped and entrenched, and made himself strong there, all would have been right, and the mistake of not moving earlier partially compensated. But he pushed on, with his forces very much scattered, until Bragg's troops, from Mississippi, began to join him. Then Bragg took the initiative, Rosecrans had to fall back in turn, and was able to get his army together at Chickamauga, some miles southeast of Chattanooga, before the main battle was brought on. The battle was fought on the 19th and 20th of September, and Rosecrans was badly defeated, with a heavy loss in artillery and some 16,000 men killed, wounded, and captured. The Corps, under Major General George H. Thomas, stood its ground, while Rosecrans, with Crittenden and McCook, returned to Chattanooga. Thomas returned also, but later, and with his troops in good order. Bragg followed and took possession of Missionary Ridge, overlooking Chattanooga. He also occupied Lookout Mountain, west of the town, which Rosecrans had abandoned, and with it his control of the river and the river road as far back as Bridgeport. The national troops were now strongly entrenched in Chattanooga Valley, with the Tennessee River behind them and the enemy occupying commanding heights to the east and west with a strong line across the valley from mountain to mountain and with Chattanooga Creek for a large part of the way in front of their line. On the 29th, Halleck telegraphed me the above results and directed all the forces that could be spared from my department to be sent to Rosecrans. Long before this dispatch was received, Sherman was on his way, and McPherson was moving east with most of the garrison of Vicksburg. A retreat at that time would have been a terrible disaster. It would not only have been the loss of a most important strategic position to us, but it would have been attended with the loss of all the artillery still left with the Army of the Cumberland, and the annihilation of that army itself, either by capture or demoralization. All supplies for Rosecrans had to be brought from Nashville. The railroad between this base and the army was in possession of the government up to Bridgeport, the point at which the road crosses to the south side of the Tennessee River, but Bragg, holding Lookout and Raccoon Mountains west of Chattanooga, commanded the railroad, the river, and the shortest and best wagon roads, both south and north of the Tennessee, between Chattanooga and Bridgeport. The distance between these two places is but 26 miles by rail. 
but owing to the position of Bragg, all supplies for Rosecrans had to be hauled by a circuitous route north of the river and over a mountainous country, increasing the distance to over sixty miles. This country afforded but little food for his animals, nearly ten thousand of which had already starved and not enough were left to draw a single piece of artillery or even the ambulances to convey the sick the men had been on half rations of hard bread for a considerable time with but few other supplies except beef driven from nashville across the country the region along the road became so exhausted of food for the cattle that by the time they reached chattanooga they were much in the condition of the few animals left alive there on the lift indeed the beef was so poor that the soldiers were in the habit of saying with a faint fastidiousness that they were living on half rations of hard bread and beef dried on the hoof nothing could be transported but food and the troops were without sufficient shoes or other clothing suitable for the advancing season what they had was well worn the fuel within the federal lines was exhausted even to the stumps of trees there were no teams to draw it from the opposite bank where it was abundant the only way of supplying fuel for some time before my arrival had been to cut trees on the north bank of the river at a considerable distance up the stream form rafts of it and float it down with the current affecting a landing on the south side within our lines by the use of paddles or poles it would then be carried on the shoulders of the men to their camps if a retreat had occurred at this time it is not probable that any of the army would have reached the railroad as an organized body if followed by the enemy on the receipt of mr dana's dispatch mr stanton sent for me finding that i was out he became nervous and excited inquiring of every person he met including guests of the house whether they knew where i was and bidding them find me and send me to him at once about eleven o'clock i returned to the hotel and on my way when near the house every person met was a messenger from the secretary apparently partaking of his impatience to see me i hastened to the room of the secretary and found him pacing the floor rapidly in his dressing-gown saying that the retreat must be prevented he showed me the dispatch i immediately wrote an order assuming command of the military division of the mississippi and telegraphed it to general rosecrans i then telegraphed to him the order from washington assigning thomas to the command of the army of the cumberland and to thomas that he must hold chattanooga at all hazards informing him at the same time that i would be at the front as soon as possible a prompt reply was received from thomas saying we will hold the town till we starve i appreciated the force of this dispatch later 
when i witnessed the condition of affairs which prompted it it looked indeed as if but two courses were open one to starve the other to surrender or be captured on the morning of the twentieth of october i started with my staff and proceeded as far as nashville at that time it was not prudent to travel beyond that point by night so i remained in nashville until the next morning here i met for the first time andrew johnson military governor of tennessee he delivered a speech of welcome his composure showed that it was by no means his maiden effort it was long and i was in torture while he was delivering it fearing something would be expected from me in response i was relieved however the people assembled having apparently heard enough at all events they commenced a general handshaking which although trying where there is so much of it was a great relief to me in this emergency from nashville i telegraphed to burnside who was then at knoxville that important points in his department ought to be fortified so that they could be held with the least number of men to admiral porter at cairo that sherman's advance had passed eastport mississippi that rations were probably on their way from st louis by boat for supplying his army and requesting him to send a gunboat to convoy them and to thomas suggesting that large parties should be put at work on the wagon road then in use back to bridgeport on the morning of the twenty first we took the train for the front reaching stevenson alabama after dark rosecrans was there on his way north he came into my car and we held a brief interview in which he described very clearly the situation at chattanooga and made some excellent suggestions as to what should be done my only wonder was that he had not carried them out we then proceeded to bridgeport where we stopped for the night from here we took horses and made our way by jasper and over waldron's ridge to chattanooga there had been much rain and the roads were almost impassable from mud knee-deep in places and from washouts on the mountain sides i had been on crutches since the time of my fall in new orleans and had to be carried over places where it was not safe to cross on horseback the roads were strewn with the debris of broken wagons and the carcasses of thousands of starved mules and horses at jasper some ten or twelve miles from bridgeport there was a halt general o o howard had his headquarters there from this point i telegraphed burnside to make every effort to secure five hundred rounds of ammunition for his artillery and small arms we stopped for the night at a little hamlet some ten or twelve miles further on the next day we reached chattanooga a little before dark i went directly to general thomas's headquarters and remaining there a few days until i could establish my own during the evening most of the general officers called in to pay their respects and to talk about the condition of affairs they pointed out on the map the line marked with a red or blue pencil which rosecrans had contemplated falling back upon 
If any of them had approved the move, they did not say so to me. I found General W. F. Smith occupying the position of Chief Engineer of the Army of the Cumberland. I had known Smith as a cadet at West Point, but had no recollection of having met him after my graduation in 1843 up to this time. He explained the situation of the two armies and the topography of the country so plainly that I could see it without an inspection. I found that he had established a sawmill on the banks of the river by utilizing an old engine found in the neighborhood and by rafting logs from the north side of the river above had got out the lumber and completed pontoons and roadway plank for a second bridge, one flying bridge, being there already. He was also rapidly getting out the materials and constructing the boats for a third bridge. In addition to this, he had, far under way, a steamer for plying between Chattanooga and Bridgeport whenever we might get possession of the river. This boat consisted of a scow made of the plank sawed out at the mill housed in and a stern wheel attached which was propelled by a second engine taken from some shop or factory i telegraphed to washington this night notifying general halleck of my arrival and asking to have general sherman assigned to the command of the army of the tennessee headquarters in the field the request was at once complied with end of section forty Recording by Jim Clevenger, Little Rock, Arkansas, Jim at J-O-C-C-L-E-V dot com.